Hi, hello. Welcome to another episode of Isaiah's Newsstand. It's your host, Isaiah Edwards. The date is Friday, May 20th, 2022. Um, let's see, let's see. I'm a little bit sleepy. I'm pretty tired. It's been a long week. We've been working a lot. Um, let's see. Let's see. Let me give you a little breakdown. Personal corner. Um, doing a lot of overtime. Our job is like really kind of doing some weird stuff, doing some feng shui, maybe, if you will. Um, essentially, they they told us last week, hey, you guys can, like, send a text if you need to. You can send a call if you need to. Um, you know, we're going to be cool now. We're going to be chill now about that. Um, we also had a mandatory Monday policy. So pretty much if I, if I didn't show up on Monday, if I was late on Monday... I would get like a half a point, a point respectfully, uh, respectively. Um, and you don't want points. Points is like how you get fired. It's so like six points for us, you get fired. Um, so that's like, oh, you know, but it, it was incentive, uh, you know, a negative incentive to get you to come in. And so they dropped that. They said, no, we're not doing that anymore either. Um, and um, they also then took our mandatory overtimes which they wouldn't call all the time, but they they called a lot, and then they've kind of tried to scale back. But they said, no, we're going to make it completely optional now, um, which was very interesting um, because, you know, overtime is kind of like key to get things done in our warehouse. Um, and so that's kind of made some changes, some fluctuations, um, but I guess people have been happier, so that's good. Um, but to kind of counterbalance things back, they said, hey – for the next week or so, I think we're on like, because it started last week, um, they're like, we'll give you guys double time for overtime. And it's like, ooh, I mean, I'm already working the overtime because I need it. So I'm like, yeah, I'm down. I'm there. And then they're also like, yeah, we're going to give you guys um, Saturday shifts open. Um, and my job's like specific for what I do. I'm like the trash dude. So... Um, it's going to be open for me too. They're like, yeah, we're going to make sure that's open because we've been like really backed up. And my job has been especially busy this week because uh, we just have people working nonstop and uh, not enough trash availability in the compactor. So like not enough, I don't know. I'm not wording this right, but yeah. So that's in my weekend. That's in my week or that's, that's in my week and that will be my weekend. But uh, good news is I've gotten some food in me, some interesting food, and we're going to talk about it. Um, so we'll start with the bad. Um, went to B-dubs, and this is a uh, Thursday situation, so we're talking like boneless wing deal day, um, which I don't know why, but I always like screw that up in my head. I always like never understand what I'm going to get, like in terms of like, so what's the deal? Um... And so the deal is you get like whatever amount of wings you get, you pretty much like they'll double that for free. So you just get an absurd amount for, for, of wings and um, you still pay them an absurd amount of money more or less for said wings. Um, but anyway, I wanted to kind of mix it up. I didn't want to get super spicy wings. I didn't want to get all sweaty like I normally do. So I was like, well, I do like lemon pepper, you know, like I've, you know, I've had a wing or two. I had like a wing from Wingstop, like a friend let me sample it. And I like lemon pepper seasoning. So I'm like, okay. So I did one set that was like a dry rub version. And the other one was like the wet sauce version. 
Um, the dry rub version was edible. Um, not my favorite though. Kind of like boring. Just felt like the chicken nuggies. Um, and then the wet was just bad. Um, and I, and I think maybe this is partial. Like for me, like I have a bias against like a lot of citrusy fruit food in my like dishes. So like for especially desserts, like I hate a lemon tart. I don't like the, the custards, key lime pies. No, thank you. Um, but even like orange chicken, I'm super picky on in terms of savory things. Um, so it's really not it for me, but they really wanted to make it lemon. So it was lemony. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, but everything else was good. I got like pretzel bites. Those were solid. Um, and um, yeah, so that was that was overall okay. We can get to the good food though. Um, today on my lunch break, I went and got a Mexican pizza because they're back. Um, that was kind of hype. So I got like a Mexican pizza and a burrito supreme. A little bit different from my traditional order. Um, but it was nice. It was a nice little car, a little picnic. Um, I will say the Mexican pizza is still not my favorite. Um, but it was a nice little, like, cool, like, oh, this is something I haven't had in a long time kind of vibe. Uh, so yeah. So yeah, that, that's, that's me. That's my life, my life, my life, my life. Um, and we can get into some news, which you guys probably came here for. Um, well, maybe not. I'm not really good at telling this shit. <laughs> but I do what I can. I do what I can. Um, let's see. Let's start off with the Ukraine stuff. Um, let's see. We do have some, like, action from the ground. Um, I mean, kind of sad to say. Um, but Mariupol more or less has kind of fallen. Uh, the steel work situation more or less has seemingly been resolved like, in terms of the siege, like, uh essentially the ukrainian troops have surrendered um i believe it is a count at least from the russian side um i think 256 um i think on the ukrainians they're counting about over 260 uh but essentially they were escorted out um and um some were on stretchers some just had their hands up to get searched uh, they were put on a bus and they were taken. Um, at the time, they didn't know where they were taking them to, I believe. Um, it looks like now it's like a prison that they've taken them to. It was like seven buses. Um, and essentially, they, you know, are going to be held as prisoners is what it looks like. Um, it does look like, though, people are being treated, like who I guess needed to be treated, what have you, like, you know, the basic stuff. Um but it's kind of a sticky situation because, you know, Putin is saying, you know, from the top or the Kremlin is saying that Putin has personally guaranteed the prisoners will be treated according to international standards. And uh, Ukrainian officials said they could be exchanged for Russian captives. But there is a little bit of a worry here because... um there's a chance that because like the Azov battalion was like really involved in this operation at the steelworks, um, that, you know, that the Russian committee are like potentially saying like, Hey, um, maybe we should talk about these guys doing like going on trial and like facing like, you know, actual scrutiny for their crimes. And it's like, well, I, and I guess like I learned about this over the week listening to the BBC, 
um, just because you're in battle, um, like you're an enemy combatant, they can't just like capture you and say, oh, like you did war crimes. Like you were fighting, like you were captured in battle. Like you weren't doing anything that was untoward in a war. Um, we're actually going to get into a war crime situation in this um, episode. But um, essentially that that's not allowed to be defined. But because of Putin's denazification campaign that he's launched for his, this special invasion, they're saying, well, these are potentially some Azov, you know, battalion people. These are literally Nazis is what we're saying by our logic. We should not allow them to even live. Like we should have summary executions potentially for these people. So that's potentially a fear and a concern. Um, but the hope is that they're going to be, there's going to be a prisoner swap, um, you know, because there are definitely a good amount of Russian prisoners, you know, who are being held as prisoners of war. So you naturally want to have these people be, you know, sent back home to their families. So if you can make clean exchanges, you want to make them. Um We'll definitely keep you posted on more of that. Um, like I said, I got that from Reuters. Uh, there's also another article from Yahoo News. Um, let's see. But then I also wanted to cover the war crimes situation. So this is from the BBC, uh, BBC News. Uh, oh, excuse me. My, st- my stomach is a little rumbly. Oh, I think I might be getting hungry. It's not like a, ooh. <laughs> um, but a Russian soldier pleads guilty in first war crimes trial of Ukraine conflict. Uh, another thing I've learned from the BBC uh, podcast, uh, apparently war crimes are usually... Sl- oh, I don't know what that noise is. It sounds like a motorcycle. Um, but um, apparently war crimes are slow to kind of come, and, and they're usually um, after the war is concluded. But... I guess in this situation, people wanted to get onto the ground and do investigations, especially since the Bucha massacre situation, especially since there's so much coverage on this. There's like, you literally are, we're living in a, an age where you can have satellite visuals, um, you know, live streamed to anyone, anywhere. Like, so in the situation that came from, this 21-year-old, his he goes by the name of uh, Vlad, Vadim Shishimarin. Um, like I say, he's 21 year, years old. He admitted to shooting a 62-year-old man. Um, and he is facing life in jail. Um, he did plead guilty. Um, you know, they they actually like go through the thing here. I'll do the quote. Uh, do you accept your guilt? The judge asked. Yes, Shishimarin replied. Totally? Yes, he replied quietly from behind the glass of his gray and metal glass cage. Um, so I guess he was a commander of a tank division. And this man was out and he saw them. And this is like literally the early parts of the invasion. And... Um, they he acted quickly and shot him and the man was unarmed he wasn't going to do anything but his defense was well he could run and tell them that we're here and you know deliver our location and that would be bad and he made an you know a quick decision and then you know after the fact they wound up 
uh, the, the convoy came under attack and then uh, Vadim and four other soldiers, they stole a car, traveled to the near city uh, Chupakivka. Um, oh, okay. And this is where they encountered this, the 60-year-old on the bicycle. Um, it's also sad, too. Um, okay, so yeah. So they come from that convoy. They're kind of biking. Or they're kind of not biking. Um, they're kind of, you know, they're driving. And then they encounter him. And they're kind of trying to keep this low profile. And it's, but like I said, it's sad. Because it happens, like, meters away from uh, his wife. Like, she's sitting uh just relaxing you're just having a good night and you know next thing you know you're seeing that happen um so i mean this is a super sad situation uh 21 such a young age too um i mean i'm not trying to sit here and and say like oh he's just a boy but like i you know being that that's a 10-year gap for me like i remember how i was at 21 um also seeing this kid like i i couldn't be prepared to be leading a tank division like this sounds like some crazy like movie and um it's just really sad to see that these people's worlds collided that way um you know it's sad for the widow it's sad for the 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 man um and like i said it's sad for this guy it's sad for this uh vatting man you know so uh we got one last bump though before we get out of Ukraine, before we stop talking about Russia, um, got this from Yahoo News. Uh, Senate confirms, or well, and also the Associated Press. I guess they're like kind of the ones that they got it from. So meta. Um, Senate confirms Brink as new U.S. ambassador to Ukraine. Um, now this is a short article. Uh, I don't know much about Bridget Brink. Um, let's see. Uh, the veteran foreign service officer who has spent most of her career in the shadow of the former Soviet Union was nominated to the position last month by President Joe Biden. Uh, she was confirmed unanimously by the Senate without a formal roll call vote. So they were just, boom, she's in there. She's a new one. Um, also, I learned in this article that Donald Trump had fired the former ambassador, Marie Yova. Yovanovitch in 2019 um and i i guess that does make sense because i had heard from like other podcasts um like top hat um where they kind of go into some of the things that had happened like trump was trying to put pressure on Zelensky to um i guess uh like i think it was something about the it was something about the election and then, and then like hunter biden and he was trying to, like, get him to spill the tea and say things. And, like, Zelensky's like, dude, I don't want to be involved with this. And, like, this is part of the heat campaign that he was trying to do. And he took out the ambassador. Um, and that kind of came back to bite him because, you know, she was really key, I guess, in the um, first wave of impeachment proceedings and stuff like that. So, you know, but, you know, Trump is, like, fucking invincible, I guess. I don't know. We'll see. Um. So yeah, also it marks the beginning or the return of the US to Ukraine. So they're coming back, you know, the embassy is going to be, you know, reinstated, restarted, opened again. I'm using all the right words. <laughs> um I mean, that's it's so crazy, you know. Uh I definitely have 
covered this stuff a lot, you know, the whole Ukraine, Russia conflict. Um, I would definitely tell you when I read the article about the embassy closing, I was like, wow, this is like a bit much. Yeah. Like they're, they're really laying it on thick America. Huh? Like that was my energy. That was my thoughts on it for real. And, um, I really didn't think that the intelligence was really real on that. I thought Putin was bluffing. I thought he wasn't going to go and actually make the move. And, um, you know, it's definitely bit him in the ass, I think in a lot of ways. And we're here now. Um, you know, it, it's crazy too. Cause obviously, you know, we've talked about the whole NATO thing and it was a big thing for him saying, Hey, he wanted to push that back. Um, he thought the NATO was something that shouldn't even be in the first place. Um, but his actions have kind of, you know, intuitively counterintuitively made NATO more important than ever. And, um, even with the little bit I know, I still don't think NATO's great. I still think it's kind of crazy and like kind of like a bully situation. And you're you're really forcing your ideals and stuff on other countries that aren't you guys. And, you know, you all have this weird loose agreement that you're going to come and help each other out, even though you really don't want to help out these bottom rung people. Um, but I mean, hey, Finland and Sweden got it right this time are you know, moving closer to making that happen. Though apparently Turkey is, um, you know, throwing their hands up. They're saying, hey, we got beef with this. We're not okay with this. Um, I Something about, like, Kurdish terrorists, according to them, are, like, in Finland and stuff or being supported or have been. Um, so they, they have to be talked to to be convinced because it has to be a unanimous thing. Like, the whole gang has to say yes before you get in. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just crazy. This is all very interesting. I know I covered a lot. I I literally will burn at least half an episode usually on just this topic. Uh, I appreciate you guys for listening and taking it in. Um, but anyway, we can get back to the States. We can talk about some gritty page six because the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial is back and I'm going to hate it. I'm going to hate it (laughs) to that. Hoorah! So, um, not gonna really get into too many details because I am tired and um, I've really not been able to watch too much of the trial. And uh, I think they wrapped up. They did not wrapped up. It's gonna wrap up the twenty seventh, but they wrapped up for the week. Um, it's gonna resume on Monday. Um. Let's see where we left off. It was like Amber Heard. Um, she was doing her test, uh, her testimony. She was testifying, if you will. Um, this is also kind of the introduction of more of Johnny's lawyer team a little bit. You kind of saw a little bit more faces involved. Um, we'll kind of cover that. Um, we'll at least just do the bullet points. Got this from the New York Post. Uh, let's see. Let's see. There was, okay, this is going to start from the back. We can start from the beginning, go all the way to the bottom, work our way up. Weird. Um, let's see, the New York Post kind of starts it with the, the, the fans kind of waiting outside. And this is like day 19. Or maybe this is not quite it. Or 
I don't know. I'm not. I'm. I'm we're gonna go from their timeline, work their way up, because I'm sure they're going from the date that they published this. Um. So you know, you got the um, the loyal fans, the Depp heads. Um. I I just coined that. That's trademark. Um. And and I don't know. I also kind of want to talk about this too, because I I feel like I I'm a very sensitive, defensive person, and um, you know, this is just me being real and candid here. Um, it's, there's a lot of where I'm very interested in the trial itself and, you know, sure, I feel for the human beings involved in this. Johnny Depp, you know, Amber Heard, you know, everyone who is a part of these people's lives, you know, they're all a little bit more on display and they have to talk about it and it's weird and it's cringe and we really shouldn't be seeing it, but we are. And then we're also all kind of talking about it and vibing off of it. And people are making money off of it even. Uh, It's crazy. Uh, But um, I think the craziest thing for me, the weirdest thing for me, is to see my, my friends or associates, just people online, get so intense. And not just intense, but polarized. Like, they feel like Johnny Depp is 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 completely right and without fail and without fault and if you say anything anti johnny depp or team depp or team him winning this case and getting all the money then you're a piece of shit and you should die (laughs) like it's it's intense and then there's people who for whatever reason like maybe it's because they do support amber heard or maybe it's because they do understand the struggle of someone who's coming from an abuse and from a woman's perspective, how hard it is and how much of a setback this is if Amber Heard loses this case, you know, how this becomes a weird, dark precedent potentially, you know? And then there's other people who are like, well, yeah, it's good that men are able to talk and and tell their story and, and tell their truth about, you know, their abuse. And it's like, but you realize that both parties are lying, right? Like, you realize that both parties are coached, right? So, like, for me, it's interesting. Um, so I've kind of been, like, I don't want to say clashing with people, because more times than not, if people make me feel awkward or weird or angry or upset, like, I just cut them off. I just delete them. It doesn't matter. Um, but still, it's been it's been a little civil war, huh? It's been weird. Um, over, you know, fake pirates and uh, fake mermaid people, they're whatever Amber Heard was in Aquaman. (laughs) But, um, so yeah, let's see. Further into the trial, we go from Amber Heard to her sister. She testifies. Uh, let's see. Her name is Whitney Henriquez. Um, she is 34. Also, I believe, gosh, I think, Heard might be 36, if I'm not mistaken. But this is her younger sister. Um, and more or less, she defended her sister's claim, or Heard's claim, that, um, you know, Johnny Depp was, uh, that he was abusive. He hit her and called her a whore. And in that moment, uh, Amber just switches to, you know, save my sister mode, and she punches. And that's the, like, one that she owns and said, yes, I did do that. That did happen. Um, let's see. We can move on a little bit here. Um, let's see. Then back in the courtroom, Johnny's looking very happy. Um, 
overall, Johnny Depp's, I don't know, people do talk about the body language and stuff a lot. Um, they also talk about, like, his body language with the one of the women attorneys. Um, we'll get to that as we go further. Um, one of Johnny's, uh, friends testifies, ex-best friend, I should say that, ex-best friend, he, it, it's no longer a friend, he's more maybe an enemy, a friend of me, what is he to me? Uh, but no, um, let's see, he goes by the, he, I don't know why I say he goes by the name, like, it's a nickname, it's his name, he, <laughs> uh, but Bruce Whitkin, uh, he's a record producer, um, and he was Johnny's best friend for 40 years and considered him a brother until they drifted apart four years ago. That's that's very dramatic. But that also sucks. It sucks when you're, you, know, you can't vibe with your friends. Um, Mr. Whitkin goes on to say um, that Johnny was very jealous. Not necessarily of him, but uh, of fellow actor Nicolas Cage. Um, so... I guess uh, he was just had a little bit of mental beef there, and he was just like, you know, hey, it's something I noticed as a friend. Um, there's some pictures of them vibing. Uh, let's see. He also goes on to say that Johnny had money problems. Um, also, I love the title of this little excerpt. Uh, Depp cited money woes, said he needed... Uh, to make more, uh, to make more movies, and then it's a uh, pal. <laughs> but essentially, I mean, it kind of adds up. He's in a situation where you're 58 years old. You're not doing nearly as many movies. Uh, I, if you've looked and seen some of the pictures, uh, they blow through a lot of money in a lot of fancy, nice places. And then they also go, and as far as they're talking about it in this week. The, the security detail and all this stuff is so much money per day. It's insane. It's insane. They're spending money in a day that, like, the average person doesn't see in their whole life. Like, let's just be real. Like, I'm not going to see $300,000. Like, and, and they're shelling out this money in, like, literally the spans of, like, weeks and stuff. Um, hopefully, I can get to it and find the number. But, um, so, yeah, he needed to stay in the game. Um, also... One of Depp's former agents um, makes an appearance for a deposition. Um, she goes on to say that she made him a star and then he fired her. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Here's the, <clears throat> here's the number. Um, let's see. Yeah, he spent around $300,000 a month on staff alone. Like, that's insane, dude. Um... But yeah, they talk about pirate stuff. That's from his like former business manager talking about the amount he spent on staff. Um, also, Depp's lawyer Adam Waldman, uh, he testifies in a deposition. Uh, he's able to plead the fifth though, but essentially the claim is that he led a smear campaign against Amber Heard, and like he was kind of the the tip of the spear there setting it up. Um, but I guess he more or less didn't have to really talk too much because he is currently on a case with Johnny Depp. So, uh, let's see. A LAPD detective testifies about domestic abuse. She is Marie Sadanaga. Um, and she said 
that she spoke to them in a report. Um, but she couldn't determine a crime had been committed. Um, so that doesn't seem very useful. Ah, here we go. And then this is the other lawyer, uh, Camille Vasquez. Um, she was kind of blowing up on the internet. TikTok was kind of giving her face. Uh, but essentially she was kind of like the firebrand who did the cross on, um, the cross examination on Amber Heard. Um, I would say like she was good, but then also very, like very brutal in a way. And I don't know if it was super effective. I mean, I'm talking about like for the jury, I think as a uh, public, we ate it up. I think it was like very rare parte. And also just the, like, like there's a moment where like Johnny and, and, uh, Vasquez are hugging. So like, that's interesting. Um, he definitely likes him young, 37 years old is 58, but eh, you know, do you think? I mean, they're, they're literally, like, they, I, I have some friends who are talking, like, they want to get a Johnny Depp tattoo. I mean, the vibe is real. Like, <laughs> um, Let's see. The agent that I mentioned before that I also did not get their name because I am not professional, um, more or less was saying that his star dimmed due to drugs and unprofessional antics, uh, saying more or less he was flaming out. Uh, I think they got a social media expert to testify about the negative herd tweets, uh, pretty much saying that starting in like with the like trial in April. Uh, oh no, not even. Damn, damn, I misread that when I initially perused. Uh, yeah, the independent expert is testifying on spikes in negative tweets about Amber Heard beginning in April 2020. So he was doing the research. Uh, they have a graph here with like hashtag comparisons. Um, damn. Yeah, dude. Like, it does not look, it didn't look great. It didn't look like she was vibing in the streets. <laughs> um, maybe I'm reading that wrong. But uh, let's see what else we got here. We already talked about the Johnny Cage thing. Um,. Oh, yeah, they also talk about uh, kind of the hashtag stuff for Johnny Depp, where it was like hashtag justice for Johnny Depp. <laughs> uh, let's see. A f- Amber Heard's former lawyer also takes a stand, and she says that uh, Depp had called her a bitch. Um, I also was able to kind of listen in on, uh, on my break uh, a little bit of the live trial, and she kind of explains like, hey, like he did this in a very jarring way. Like, and she was trying to be as professional as she could, but she was just also saying like, it did kind of rattle me. Like, like he calls me and like immediately is like calling me a bitch and like um, more or less telling me I'm fired. And the next thing I know, three days later, it's like official. Um, so, I mean... Also, though, mind you, this is Amber Heard's former lawyer. Maybe, you know, you could say this or that to that effect on maybe she has a bias. But I, I do feel like there's a little bit of the character stuff here that is kind of ringing true that maybe people want to kind of ignore. But that, like, Johnny Depp was definitely capable of at least being verbal, of at least being, like, in your face or a little bit too aggro. Um, also, I don't think they get really covered on the New York Post. One of Amber Heard's friends uh, also testifies, 
and like says that Johnny had a call with her about the the poop incident in the bed and like is immediately going off and then like Amber Heard is with him like Johnny Depp and he's on the phone listening and he says that like he just goes off and like is like abusing her um and he gets like emotional and all this kind of stuff um let's see the a Disney exec executive uh, also took stand for a deposition, um, saying more or less to the effect that uh, the Amber Heard op-ed piece had no effect on Johnny Depp's role. Um, let's see, an old relationship with Johnny Depp. Uh, let's see, Alan Barkin testifying about relationship with Depp. Um... Let's see. Says that they had a brief romantic relationship, and they also acted together in *Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas*. If you haven't seen that movie, it's amazing. Uh, she says it was like more of like a sexual thing or whatever. Um, it's also kind of cool to see like young Depp photos. Um, but she also goes to say that Depp was always drunk, so you know that's a thing, right? Um, let's see, let's see here. Um, she also recalls him throwing a wine bottle during a fight in the 90s. Uh, once again, that also is like kind of testifying to that potential abusive nature. I think that's kind of why she might have been put up on the stand. Um, let's see, the psychiatrist, a former psychiatrist. Um, let's see, I'll just read off here. Uh, Johnny Depp's former psychiatrist uh, described the troubled actor's inner turmoil and struggle with drug use. Um, let's see, in a tape deposition, um, this is from January 2022, Dr. Alan Blaustein said Depp used drugs and alcohol to cope with psychic wounds. Um, I know Mr. Depp had anxiety, he said. Um, so apparently he was using like Adderall to kind of cope and medicate with that. Um, also an S an ex shrink says that he was unsure about wanting to marry, uh, like if Deb was unsure about wanting to marry Amber Heard, um, that to me kind of feels like a very like unnecessary thing. Like, I mean, anyone could have like potential cold feet, especially even through multiple marriages and relationships. I don't know that that one kind of felt a little bit, whatever. Um, then there was Amber Heard's talent agent. Uh, she kind of comes into echo some of the things that she's been saying about the Aquaman situation, Aquaman two, um, from Amber Heard's perspective, she's like, look, like I was really fighting very hard for my career here. I knew that the situation was getting really dicey. It didn't seem like they really wanted me on the the thing. And, um, you know, by the end of it, I knew I was not going to be coming back for any more. Um, so from my knowledge i initially thought that she was not going to be an aquaman too but i guess she is so i mean people were petitioning really hard for her to like you know get gone um but uh i guess like they made it through filming so she is going to be in the movie but her role is like drastically reduced and like she was more or less saying like yeah she had to like really fight hard for that um Let's see, let's see here. They talk, yeah, about the flirty vibe between Depp and uh, Vasquez. Uh, Let's see. And that's about it. So I wanted to cover that for sure. Also, there's one more thing 
while I got your time and attention. Um, the, this article I picked up from Vice, um, this is kind of just what I was talking about, like how everyone's kind of feeding off this and making their money here. Um, but the Daily Wire spent thousands of dollars promoting anti-Amber Heard propaganda. Um, I thought this was a very interesting article, mainly because found out that the conservative outlet funded by Ben Shapiro, not my favorite guy, not a Shapibo fan, um, but they spent so far, because it's not over, it's not over to the 27th, uh, between $35,000 and $47,000 on Facebook and Instagram ads promoting articles about the trial, eliciting some more, or eliciting some 4 million impressions. Um, and now these articles are very biased articles. They're very slanted against Amber Heard. They're, there's like one with like Candace Owens like saying like, yeah, I hope Johnny Depp like, just takes her to the cleaners in terms of like like make like just makes her bankrupt. It's like what? Like it's just so crazy. Um obviously if you've gotten the vibe of this podcast, I'm not a Daily Wire guy. I'm not into it. All those guys look like losers. Um and yeah, I know, said the podcaster from his fucking shitty apartment. I know, but like <laughs> at least I didn't sell out to like push some fucking conservative agenda. Um, this is like what I feel like I actually believe in. I don't know. I I don't really know what Ben believes in. He can't even make a pussy wet. (laughs) But he can make it rain on, um, some Amber Heard slander. I mean, at the end of the day, like I said, you can say some of this is real. Some of it's not. Um, but yeah, it's crazy. It's wild. And I'm sure they're not losing money on this shit. You know what I mean? You don't make those kind of numbers. And also, mind you, apparently the Daily Wire is like the second like top earning thing on Facebook. So, I mean, that's saying something. I mean, I mean, it's hitting a lot of boomers. But, I mean, hey, it's knowing your audience, I guess. I don't know. But that is pretty much it. We've made it to the end. Thank you for sticking along. Um, I'm probably going to take Saturday off. I got a busy day, but Sunday we'll be back at it with some more news. Uh, we got the Patreon, patreon.com slash Isaiah news. Any donation helps. And, uh, $5 gets you the little bundle of discord access and a shout out. You should think about it. Um, till then, I hope I see you soon for some more good news. Love you. Bye-bye. Mwah.